We're going to go into an overdrive section of the Healthy Indoor Show because I think there's a lot of questions we weren't able to cover in this short amount of time. So I'm going to do a quick reintro of the guests, and we'll come back in here and uh, deal with a few of these, uh, drilling down a little bit deeper. Uh, so on, on our panel again today, um, and for this bonus section, Graham Dick is the Director and Master Trainer of Infection Control Training Group uh, from uh British Columbia, Vancouver, right? Is that where you're based? Yes, I thought so. Over 30 years industry experience uh, doing technical decontamination, property damage restoration. Uh, he's a subject matter expert. Uh, he's been dealing with this for many, many years, and he served on numerous industry boards. Uh, returning uh, from a previous show, and uh, really uh, glad to have you again, Scott Armour, uh, industrial hygienist uh, and uh, owner and founder of uh, Armour Applied Science. LLC, right? Got that straight. Um, based in Cleveland, Ohio, in that area, right? Not Cleveland? Cleveland. I, I don't have it on the notes. I'm just trying to remember. We, I've known Scott <laughs> for years and years. Uh, anyway, he is also the vice chair of IACRC's uh, S520 uh, professional mold remediation standard, and he's the current chair of the IACRC mold removal specialist certification and exam program. So great to have him back. Um, also, um, uh, Cole Stanton, Cole Stan is the Director of Education and AED Specification for the Building Solutions Group of ICP, which is Innovative Chemical Products. Cole has put boots on the ground to support efforts in more than 30 disaster zones since 2003. Um, he's had past experience with outbreaks, including uh, response strategy development to bird and swine flu, uh, EVD-68 and Ebola. Um, Cole's been doing this for a while. I've, we met a long time ago, and uh, it's great to have you here as one of our panelists. And of course, our returning champion, Dr. David Krause, which I just almost don't feel like I would be uh, right with a panel, and Dr. Krause isn't around here. David's the founder of Healthcare Consulting and Contracting, uh, HC3. He's a certified industrial hygienist and toxicologist. He's had over 25 years experience in public health, occup occupational hazard assessments, and indoor air quality. Um, David's a unique animal in that he's private sector now, but was public sector in public health for the state of Florida. So gives him a unique perspective. And of course, in the co-pilot seat, Joe Medosh of Hayward Score, healthy building scientist and provocateur. So with that, let's open up our uh, Wait, bonus I gotta, overdrive. I, I, so I have the... Uh... The nice transitional question. So our very first podcast or well, uh, webcast we did, one of the things that was addressed was chemical overlapping. So that some people are saying that they use one type of chemical and then people want to use another type of chemical because they think the, the two of them together are better cleaning. We know we don't want to mix bleach and ammonia, but I think it was a, a good uh, eye opener about like, if you're going to clean with something, you should stick with that cleaner, not just keep transitioning between morning and afternoon, or somebody comes in, fogs your place, and then you use another cleaner that what we're getting is that a new chemical can actually arise from this multiple cleaners. So can anybody elaborate upon, and I'm sure there's nothing out there to determine if these two are on top of each other, but can somebody well, talk about what, that's what's good in advice? Healthcare. That's done in healthcare already, Joe, because a lot of healthcare facilities use a bleach solution, a sodium hypochlorite solution, and they use a, a quad ammonia-based product, and they do a one-two cleaning. That's not uncommon in the healthcare industry, correct, guys? 
we're already doing stuff like that, oh, but not our, but, necessarily yeah, smartly. But, but those should be trained professionals that are trying to do that type of uh, high-end, ho- hopefully cleaning. Uh, maybe not, but I don't think we want to promote that on this show. So let's clarify what's good advice yeah, about cleaners. Let's clarify yeah. what they're using. They are not using ammonia. Ammonia, they're, right, correct. They are not using ammonia. When they say they're using a quat, that is not an ammonia, and they are two different animals. So when it says ammonium, that is not ammonia. So there is a different reaction that's going on there. So the risk is not the same. So let's just be real careful when we, we pick our terms. Joe, your okay. point's really well taken, though, because we do, unfortunately, in the restoration industry, have a history of mixing chemicals, as we do in healthcare. I mean, restoration, if you took the training 15 years ago, it's not at all uncommon for them to talk about making cocktails, you know, and to talk about, you know, mixing your odor counteractant into your butyl, you know, degreaser. And that was never a good idea. Uh, And it might have worked for a while. But when we're when we're looking at this current situation, we should be using cleaners, according to the product label. We should be using disinfectants according to the product label and disinfectant labels are very specific that you are not to mix them with anything else unless it is explicitly on the label and you rarely if ever see that. Cleaners on the other hand, you know, you can look at some of the new hydrogen peroxide technology that's been out and the boosters that are available that you mix in on site to charge them and make them more powerful, but keep their health and safety profile relatively manageable. That's fine, but follow the label. It's very explicit. Don't make your own cocktails. That's that's for after hours. Well, we have a Jeff in the background who's been uh, very generous with his time, giving us lots of questions. He pointed out that many contractors are just diluted as needed, but if you dilute it a little more, I can get more out of it. So, anybody want to comment on, you know, just not only how irresponsible that is, but what is that really doing to the product when you are, you know, whoever calls for this much water, twice as much loves me to finish this job today. Or Boy, nobody's, using, nobody's jumping in on that one. Isn't that the of, if a little bit is good, a lot more is better. It's, yeah. But, but isn't that, and, and on a, in a consumer level, is that not a mindset? That was, that was my big complaint back after Hurricane Sandy when, you know, New York City officials were recommending using sodium hypochlorite, bleach. You can get bleach off the shelf. Great. So you're telling them to do a 10 to 1 dilution. They don't know what that means, but effectively it's supposed to be a 0.05 concentration of sodium hypochlorite kind of with that ish. That's what it would be, right? Because you're about 5% with, with bleach in concentrate form and when you mix right. it 10 yeah, to 1 more with water. Is better. So, so, 50, yeah, 50. So, but, so if that works, yeah, well, let's just put pour straight be- uh, bleach in our uh, basement. You know, like So th- I'm afraid that that mindset w- would be taking hold here as well, right? If you want to make your disinfectant work better, then do a better job of cleaning. If you want to tackle the running back, you got to make it past the offensive line. You, know? nice. so you got to get them out of the way. Knock them on their ass and let oh, your right. disinfectant do its job. Nice line. One of the things I learned about soap was that its ability to actually break down the virus's shell, right? It actually is able to break it apart. And it also talked about soap is not effective under a variety of other types of viruses or bacteria, all right? You guys know better about the language there. But the concept was that scrubbing is the number one condition. That's why washing your hands is good, but scrubbing your hands and actually doing the the actual, this part of it is what alleviates things to come off. That's why wipes aren't that effective or sometimes the the alcohol, uh, it doesn't really just make you scrub enough that things leave the hand. It's the same with touch surfaces. Can anybody elaborate briefly on like why this actual scrubbing is just as effective sometimes as what is on the, the, in the chemicals themselves? 
because the virus is in the virus is in the dirt on your hand. It's in the sputum. It's in the spit. It's in the <clears> grime. And if we can remove that, then we are removing the vast, vast majority of that pathogen of, of that virus or that you even whether it's bacteria. So the dirt is the carrier, so to speak, of the vast majority of these pathogens and these diseases and these viruses. So remove all that and there's very little left. <clears throat> now, now the little bit that is left is where the disinfectant comes in. And then that removes and, and hopefully removes the rest of the risk on that surface. Here's another aspect, Joe, uh, with regards to the cleaning is that if you consider uh, this particular cleaning scenario of, of cleaning for COVID-19, remember how uh, Cole described the expectorant uh, being coughed out or sneezed or, or uh, spoken uh, onto surfaces. Well, the virus doesn't float around by itself. It's always attached to a globule of goo. And that goo lands on a surface. Now, people have this impression that when that goo evaporates, when the water evaporates, that the virus could be released uh, into the air. But really, if you've ever watched your goo evaporate, it turns to like Elmer's glue into a kind of a clear glue coating that surface, uh, trapping that virus particle to the, uh, to the surface that it glued itself to. So this is where cleaning through mechanical action and surfactancy and detergency is way, way more effective than expecting that your disinfectant is necessarily going to penetrate that glue goo layer, say that five times fast, and, uh, and inactivate the virus. To, to address your question, Joe, about um, washing hands, you know, one of the other elements when we're talking about walls and surfaces is how well we're wetting. And depending upon the droplet size of the disinfectant and how we're delivering it, on certain surfaces, you'll have holdout, you'll have surface tension, you won't actually get a thorough wetting of the surface. And each one of those little craters and crannies is a place for the virus to hide. So when you're choosing your application method, let's say you're foaming, foaming's great because you get a really even application, uh, but you don't necessarily get any drive into the interstices of a surface. Whereas one of the reasons I really love airless spray and what people have been able to do with it when they're properly trained and using the right tip, which is usually a fine finish tip at very low pressure, say 800 to 1000 PSI, is you get just enough pressure to really drive big droplets into that surface, break surface tension, and not get a whole lot of bounce back and eliminate a lot of collateral mess. In a sense, that's almost an equivalent to scrubbing your hands. You're making sure that it's getting everywhere it needs to go. Uh, whereas with some other methods like uh, cold mist fogger, I love using them, but you might have to walk back to the same surface three times to make sure you get 10 minutes wet with a cold mist fogger. I mean, th that's an important point to bring out because there's multiple delivery systems, technologies I mean, from basic, somebody's got a squirt bottle and a rag, right? To, you know, some sort of, you know, uh, higher pressure or higher volume or various electrostatic different technologies. So is is something better or is this really a case of um, knowing knowing how to use a, applicable technologies properly? It's important to, to 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 align your delivery system with the product that you're going to be applying it uh, with 
and and considering the surfaces and the makeup of the surfaces that you're applying this product to. Um, one of the things uh, that that I think needs to needs to also be discussed is when we're choosing products that we're going to apply. Um, if you look at the end list and you look at the time required, the contact time required by different products, you'll see that that it ranges from 30 seconds to 10 minutes. Uh, if you choose a product that has a five minute dwell time requirement to achieve the manufacturer's efficacy claims, uh, then that requires half as much product, half as much water as a product that requires 10 minutes. Or if you choose a product that requires a one minute dwell time, wet contact time, then, then you're achieving that result with one tenth the water. And uh, when do you have, when is it ever a good thing to use more water in the indoor environment? Uh, <laughs> you're usually trying to keep it down as much as possible. So um, uh, in the background, I have uh, a variety of different applications so that um, uh, others can understand the concepts that these guys are talking about. So airless versus fogging um, versus electrostatic sprayer. This is something I've been seeing a lot of. Um, can you describe what are the benefits or challenges that go along with any of these three different applications, Cole? So electrostatic sprayer has always had a really valuable niche in healthcare. And it's well known to produce a very dry fog. So you don't get a lot of moisture. You don't get a lot of collateral damage from moisture. And in certain situations, you can actually get it to wrap around surfaces to get more efficient coverage without actually having to walk around and get the gun right up next to the surface. So you can probably do the same configuration of office and office furniture in eight times the speed and efficiency that you would do with a hand trigger spray bottle. The problem with electrostatic is it takes a lot of training. The equipment's finicky, it's expensive, it's hard to field fix. Um, but most importantly, it's hard to get a good wet film. And if you're in circumstances where you've got good drying conditions, your wet film of disinfectant might dry out faster than 10 minutes. And so electrostatic, you gotta re-untrain and retrain your applicator to use it properly. Um, well, and if you're already cleaning the surface, if you've already gone, if you're already there and hand wiping, hand cleaning the surface, how much more is this electrostatic system going to improve that efficiency? You know, I've been uh, experimenting by doing ATP testing after the cleaning steps before the uh, the spraying slash uh, um, uh, fogging application, and uh, and and I think that a, a your cleaning accomplishes depending on the quality of the cleaners, and that's the biggest variable. Uh, is it? That's the low-hanging fruit. You're getting the majority of result of your result from your cleaning procedure. Uh, the the application uh, post cleaning, it really is a a benefit in that, like Cole has said several times, the cleaner the surface, the better your disinfectants work, and that goes across all of them. Uh, the, uh, the reality that a cleaner, the person, doesn't get 100% of the surface areas, they always miss something, and if you're using something like an electrostatic uh, delivery mechanism or, or another sprayer, uh, the chances of you delivering 
the, the disinfectant to surfaces that you missed uh, is better. And so then you have this added value of, of hopefully not missing areas as well. Can you elaborate right on one? ATP? I want to make sure that under, people understand what you talked about with that and what is it actually doing or confirming? <clears throat> uh, ATP swab testing uh, measures adenosine triphosphate, uh, which is a biomarker in living cells. It does not differentiate what type of living cell, so it's not going to tell you whether it's a fungal organism or bacterial. ATP does not uh, identify a viral uh, fragment, uh, and it's a method of measuring and quantifying clean, not for quantifying or measuring dirty. So that's kind of some big, uh, to frame it. Uh, so as a way of, and, and this is where I believe that uh, in terms of providing value to customers, uh, you start off, uh, and go, okay, once we reach a definable level of clean in this environment, uh, then we can show at a level that we can't see using a quantifiable science to say that we've actually accomplished a level of cleaning for, for the client. And, uh, and that's something that most people are not doing. So you're talking about cleaning biomass at that point, right? You're just cleaning We're up the, 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 bi the bio load. Um, and and I, I think you need but to like reiterate what you said. Others have said, Bob, that, that when you're cleaning, your cleaning is indiscriminate. You can't remove biomass and not remove the virus that is attached within the biomass. Seems like a reasonable And I think assessment. Scott's talked about that as well. So if you are reducing the biomass by 99% and you've measured and proved that, then you can, uh, then, then it's rational, logical and defensible to, to, to go, I've reduced the amount of potential viral contaminants here by the same percentage. Uh, that doesn't mean that it's perfect. It doesn't mean that it's all gone. It doesn't mean that you didn't miss something. Uh, and this is why I get back to you can never claim a safe environment, only a safer environment. But I want to reiterate what you mentioned on the use of ATP swaps, because I've, I've used that for years and years, too, in my business, uh, you know, 20 plus years with it. ATP is, is that type of technology, the ATP surface swaps are, are to be used after, to verify cleaning efficacy, doing a good cleaning job, not to go in on a, uh, a pre-assessment to say, is this environment a safe environment or something? You'd never use ATP for that, correct? On a front um, end, or would you? And certainly for this, since it's not a marker for virus. Well, I think that's the oh, biggest absolutely. problem. Absolutely. It's not a marker for virus. So yeah. you want to be able to know how you're using it. So what happens if you go into an environment and the dirt is non cell oriented it, it's non-organic right and the atp registers zero yeah. you you may not know that virus is there so the the use of atp is inserted in the process of assuring cleanliness it's one of those steps one of the tools and i think what's critical is that we 
we first focus on the cleaning process, the selection of the cleaner, the based on the knowledge of the dirt, is it greasy dirt, is it non-greasy dirt type things like that? Are we picking something that's appropriate for the surface? Are we using quality control methods? And go back to the very beginning of the other discussion, is it visibly clean? Because if yeah. you're sampling the visible dirt, what is the point? You're just wasting the ATP. Yeah, no, David, I was going to say, you do a lot in, clear, in clearance. You know, you, right. that's and there also thing. is a drop. Do, do I go from 1,000 to 100? Am I going from 100 to 10? Or am I going from 10 to 1? And well, where is there any risk at 1,000, 100, 10, or 1? Which is the actual risk? And do we even know? Yeah. So, you know, Graham, it, what it's talking about here is really different. Graham knows how to use that. And, and you're talking about the difference between verification and validation. Verification is, did you do everything on the list that you're supposed to do? And did you do it by the procedures that you had described or are standard or required for this? Did you, did you do the checklist? Validation is, is answering, attempting to answer the question is whatever you did, did it work? Did it achieve the endpoints? And because of the lack of validated methodologies for viruses that we have today, that may change tomorrow, um, I don't think we have the ability to validate any cleaning or disinfection efforts for this specific virus. So we move it down to a lower tier of, can we at least assure that we did the best job or the contractors did the best job that they could have and should have to uh, achieve what we think we're gonna do. I agree, David, in the absence of, uh, and you know, qPCR testing might uh, change that, although the expense might not uh, allow that. Um, in the absence of being able to validate the presence or non-presence of the virus, the next best thing in quality control would be to validate your cleaning uh, and, and, and sanitizing of that surface. Uh, I really don't like the word disinfecting because I don't think we can make any sort of claim beyond sanitizing within the built environment. Right, right. Well, we we um, should be clear that disinfecting and sanitizing are terms that do have definitions associated with them. You know, really disinfect should be a term that is restricted to hard non-porous surfaces. Sanitize is a term that is used for reducing the amount of microbial activity to quote unquote safe levels and is generally associated with porous materials. And you know, your porous materials, you know, can you sanitize carpet? The answer is against odor causing bacteria, you can. You know, the, the uh, label, the EPA label is very specific. And Joe, that goes to you know, your comment about what should a business owner, um, you know, how do they check things? Well, if someone's saying they're gonna disinfect or sanitize, um, then you can tell. It's me, Cole. I'll hang up. Yeah. You got you to love live shows. You know, that phone, where is it? It's, it's, this is good stuff. The funny thing is that guy's called me four times. And just well, he, he says the damn show's supposed to be over at 2 o'clock. Aren't you done? Where's my product? Where's my stuff? You, you said you'd ship it today. Yeah. No, look, we we need to recognize that there there are things we we do see that are just sloppy. You know, and when people say they're going to disinfect your air handling system, for example, that should be a ringing alarm. When people say that they're going to use a treatment that's going to last three months to three years, you know, that should be a screaming alarm. 
Um, and since I bring up the subject of HVC and this is a breakout, um, can we just please get the message out to everybody? Stop putting biocides and disinfectants and sanitizers. I don't care what term you use. If it has an EPA registration number on it, do not put it in your ductwork. You can do different things north of the border if you want to, but <laughs> do not put disinfectants in your ductwork. And if you want to know what you can put in ductwork, go to NADCA and read their paper on chemicals and coatings and ductwork. What people don't know is it was written with EPA's full participation at every single meeting. And so when, if you want to know about sealants and coatings and disinfectants and cleaners and deodorizers, read that paper. Uh, and if Chuck in a truck says he's going to come in and sanitize your ductwork, you know, run screaming the other direction. Find yeah. somebody else. I have and to jump uh, in that because, you know, obviously I was involved in the early days of all the research with NADCA do, doing that with EPA. And that's one of my biggest bones of contention is these uh, companies that do air duct cleaning, are, you know, around the U.S. and, and beyond that use uh, sanitizing as an upsell. We're going to also sanitize your system. It's like, why? Why would you bring a chemical? Why would you bring a biocide into, into the mix? Into my and, and our pilot study showed there's very little, unless there's an actual active microbiological problem in that ductwork, there's absolutely no reason to be adding stuff like that unless you're addressing something. It, it, look, if you want to use a disinfectant for some reason on your occupant side, surfaces like your registers and your grills that's fine but you're probably not doing it because somebody sneezed on it because when you sneeze normally where does your head go and they're fogging it anyway you're fogging it down like a thousand two thousand five thousand foot of ductwork are you kidding me you're not getting any kill time on that anyway it's a freaking joke well, we should ask hey, this is like you're gonna get me fired up on this because I, 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 I hate that is, shit i'll be honest <laughs> I was we, the human we, lung is a terrible aerosol generator we don't this good aerosol so it's not going to fly that far anyway i mean graham's droplet of gooey was talking about is exactly the reason why it's not going to take two left turns and go contaminate the adjacent space through the air handling system. Yeah, can we please say that this virus is not contaminating the HVAC? And this was a little sidebar discussing ductwork not applicable to COVID nineteen. Right. Well, we, I think we need to. We all agree. I think we need to. It's not a touch. It's not a high touch surface unless you happen to be the guy that crawls through the ductwork with the vacuum cleaning it. That's well, the only high touch happening in ductwork. Okay, yeah. but wait, wait. So wait, I, I'm your, your, uh, you know, average homeowner, and of course, to me, the one place where I would think I would want to control my air is with my air handler system, heating and cooling. So yeah. of course, so we have what? Uh, fair point. We have other shows that have addressed this with uh, Brian Orr and some other folks. So I don't want to take up too much of your time, but. Uh, it is a, a scare tactic that every, no matter if you're a store owner or if you're a homeowner, you are getting hit with a bunch of crap and, and our fear factor allows us to then reduce our common sense in terms of like, is this too good to be true? It is damn too good to be true. So, you know, the, there's something that we have to do is, is, as apply, like who else should I ask about this? Cause it just seems like it's not something that is really realistic. And Joe, it's not just homeowners. It is facility owners and buildings. Yes, right. They yep. are being hammered with all sorts of devices and add-ons and little whizzy things that they can add to their system, whether it's sanitizing or disinfecting or air purification because of this virus. And it, none of that applies. And you can save people not just hundreds or thousands, but tens of thousands and hundreds of thousands of dollars if they know where to address the hazard, the hazard is not in the air system. Adding many of these different devices will not improve the, or I should say, lower the risk 
of transmission in the rest of the building. I mean, to clarify it, right, the, the HVAC system's not, not going to be your vector transmission vector for a virus That's in this right. case. It is not. And it's good to get that out. Now, to be clear, we've had a lot of buildings that are shuttered and we've had a lot of buildings that are, that are getting stale and we should be ready. And I haven't heard it talked about a whole lot. We should be ready for a lot of questions about mold and a lot of people who have legitimate concerns and need for mold and a lot of people who want to come in and spray something because just because it's musty. So, you know, as we open back up, we're going to open up a lot of spaces that have been just sitting there without the air moving. And there are going to be consequences for that. Schools. Well, well, well how about all these schools that are closed and schools are notorious during the summer break for shutting their HVAC off to save energy. Every August. Every, so now they're doing call. it longer. <laughs> every August you get emergency calls from school saying, Hey, we got to go back to school in two weeks. And we just discovered we had a mold problem. Oh, but that's only shutting it off for two months. They're going to be shutting it off for four or five months now. That's right. Well, as, as uh, Dr. Krause in a chat window, we have is also Legionella is sitting in your water pipes, just waiting to be discovered when everybody comes back to school or work. So there's a lot, a lot of stuff going on in our homes that we yeah. keep, we're, we're now super focused on something we can't see and we're super mm -hmm. paranoid about it, but there's just as many other stuff that I can cause so many other respiratory issues or serious illness. I mean, Legionella kills people. So we should be cautious about focusing on the, on one small thing and not actually addressing the building as a whole. Homes are a system. Buildings are a system. We need to make sure that we understand what's going on. If you're not sure, I guarantee you there's somebody close enough to you or online that you could find out what's going on. Well, so the, is we have the symptoms of Legionnaire's disease are the same as those for COVID-19. They oh. are, right. Mm -hmm. yeah. And I, I can't wait to see how public health officials unbake that cake. Yes, you're absolutely right, David. Uh, and, and Joe, I 100% agree. That's one of the things that hasn't been talked about is, is the holistic, all of the issues that are going to come to play, uh, the Legionella, the mold. Uh, you know, if a building's been shut up for a month, uh, we're not going to have, you know, uh, infective viral contaminants present still. It's, it's going to be a mold issue that you're dealing with. It's going to be a Legionella uh, issue that you're dealing with, dealing with the cooling towers, dealing with the uh, flushing, flushing of the pipes and, and, uh, and, and how they're going to uh, prepare it for reoccupancy. Those are, those are going to be really big issues. I, I will say that the American Industrial Hygiene Association Indoor Environmental Quality Committee does have a COVID-19 uh, resource page. And on there, we do have a document, a, white, a fact sheet, that addresses just these items and issues, trying to bring it to light on uh, Legionella building water systems, cooling towers, and mold in uh, closed up buildings. And we should also remind everybody who's watching this, maybe from the facilities management side, we do have an industry standard for mold. We do have certifications. We do have testing. We do have continuing education. So while I get asked all the time, do I need a license to do COVID-19 work, which is always yeah, a, a warning sign in and of itself, uh, we do have an established professional standard for a lot of these, these skills that we're going to need as we reopen buildings. Yeah, but, but the fogging that I can do for your facility, it kills everything. It kills mold and bacteria and COVID, you name it. You, I can actually tell you that my, my spray will kill it and kill it for a long time. So that's the scare tactic that's out there with a, a variety of uh, folks that are you know, two jerks in a truck. Yeah. <laughs> I've just provided the uh, link to the uh, AIHA uh, hmm. guidance document. I'll put that in our chat window online. 
fascinating, right? Um, I missed the fascinating stuff. You did. He did because you know <laughs> it, it, internet things happen, and that's you know. But I think we're, we're all getting. Uh, it, what's interesting, like I, I guess I have to step back here because I've been doing online streaming for five years. So this is not a new frontier for me. Um, we've been doing it with Healthy Indoors since our almost our inception. Um, streaming events, streaming training, doing doing all that. Um, but I, what I will say is things seem a little bit more temperamental now with the high uh, usage, you know, and the limited bandwidth of our internet capabilities in the country and around. Uh, we're all we're all stretching everything right to as tight as we can take it, pretty much. Um, any let, let's you know we're we're, we're crossing that thir that extra thirty minute threshold, so I'd I'd like to get into a wrap up mode here quick. So I'm gonna go around uh, the whole uh, group here and let you guys get in any uh, final closing thoughts you'd like to, like to get on this topic. Again, I, I think we really got into some great discussions. Do we cover everything? No, because it's really almost impossible in the short window we have. Uh, and obviously, we're gonna continue these discussions. Uh, the show will be every Thursday, uh, you know, one one to two p.m. Eastern time. We're uh, planning on doing more and more of this. And I do think that you guys did illustrate one one big thing that we need to consider. Uh, and I, we've been saying this, Joe and I have been saying this for the last four weeks now, plus uh, COVID-19 is all near and dear and on our minds right now because it's, you know, it's obviously it's the crisis at hand. But all these other indoor environmental uh, issues that we, we've dealt with, that we've built these industries on, these various restoration uh, abatement industries, none of that stuff went away. None of the outside climate driven things such as uh you know weather events like hurricanes and wildfires that stuff isn't going away you know we're and we're, we're gonna have to deal with all of those other things that we normally deal with which are really stressing for us and globally and regionally stressing on top of a pandemic pandemic that's uh worldwide so this, this is not an easy situation. So I think there's a lot of topics that are going to, you know, that are going to need to be discussed. So I'll, I'll jump around with you guys. I'll just uh, pick you one at a time. I'm going to say, Graham, I'm going to go to you first and closing uh, comments and uh, that point you needed to get in there. Okay. I guess point one, preparation, preparation, preparation. Cleaning is the foundation that everything else is built on. That That's, uh, that that's, the two things that I really want to summarize my my part with, and then and then IICRC uh, is is just launching into a new standard uh, called the S410, and uh, and this standard is uh, it's called the standard for infection control during professional cleaning and maintenance of the commercial built environment. And we're just in the process right now of finalizing our, our consensus body and getting, getting launched. Uh, this started before COVID-19 was a thing and, uh, and it's gonna take a little time to produce, but we've got an amazing uh, group of, of committed individuals that are working on this consensus body. Uh, it's a very important document uh, to, to help guide people through not just stuff like this, but uh, but ongoing into the future. So I'm very excited about that project. Impeccable timing on that. Definitely keep us posted. And that's something we'd want to you know follow here at Healthy Indoors too. So as, as that moves forward uh, and you give us any updates or any uh, additional information, that'd be wonderful. Thank you. Scott. The uh, IICRC, I want to follow up on that. They've issued a couple advisories already, and there's more to come. Uh, Graham and I have been fortunate enough to be able to uh, work on uh, both of them so far. 
uh, and probably be working on the future ones. Uh, they're, they're, in, they're good overviews, they're good umbrella type statements with, with real good solid advice. And they do what we've been trying to do here and that is to present the basics. The authoritative uh, standard is still for the COVID-19 response is still the CDC. Uh, there, there is nothing yet that has, has uh, exceeded that or superseded it. Uh, so <clears throat> all questions can and should be answered there first. Uh, if you need to have any incremental or uh, uh, additional steps, they can be added. And we have a lot of very well-known uh, cleaning standards and disinfection application standards that we can follow. Um, cleaning without, without a doubt is, is critical. And if it sounds too good to be true and sounds too easy to work, it probably is. Uh, so caveat emptor, I think goes for the homeowner, goes for the, the business owner. Great points. I, I did notice that you have the bioaerosols uh, book behind you uh, on the bookshelf, that, which is kind of the Bible of the industry. That's excellent. <clears throat> great, great framed in shot. Yeah. Cole. Well, if I had to do a wrap up, I would say, you know, it's interesting. We talk about disinfection, then we go to talk about other topics and we always seem to kind of find our way back to disinfection. Uh, and I'm not going to tell you that it's all about better living through chemistry, but what I am going to say is in this case, the lens of chemistry is a really valuable way to look at COVID-19. We know that surfaces are a problem. We know that it's 24 hours on porous materials and who knows if it's three days or 17 days on hard number porous materials we have to have a program for addressing our surfaces, which means we're talking about disinfecting. We're talking about having a better conversation about disinfecting and educating those who maybe never had to know a whole lot about it. I think it starts with EPA list N. It starts with teaching people how to read the label themselves and understanding that's a resource that is available to them. And that sprayers are not a bad thing and foggers aren't a bad thing and misters aren't a bad thing, but using them indiscriminately is a bad thing. Chemicals are useful and complementary tools to the cleaning process and to maintaining a healthy building. They're not the end all and be all, but they're valuable and they not something that should scare us. It's all about information and understanding. Great. David Joe. Joe. All right, actually, Dr. Uh, David, Dr. David, yeah. sorry. Um, being a former public health official, I caution everybody to uh, put on some good glasses and and, and not uh, uh, attribute too much knowledge to the CDC and public health officials. In this event and many others, they've continued to not only bring a knife to a gunfight, but often bringing rubber knives to the gunfight. Um, it is likely that business owners, operators, healthcare facilities will have to exceed public health guidelines in order to achieve the goals and ends and the safety that they are seeking to do. So it's a starting point. Don't expect it to be the be all end all. Joe, I, I'm, I'm going to ask, ask you, uh, give your final thoughts, but I, I did want to make a comment because we never did get to this point. Uh, New York State uh, tomorrow has implemented the fact that when you're out in public and unable to maintain at least a six uh, foot margin from people, you have to be wearing a mask. Now, I will say Joe and I were talking about masks weeks ago. Three weeks. When, actually four now yeah. uh, when people were saying masks really you know they're not effective and they're missing the point the masks are not to protect you to keep you from spewing it out your gl globules of loogies as as grandma put that you're putting them out towards others so it is a socially responsible thing to do but the fervors i'm seeing on social media about this right now on facebook especially on my feed people are just losing their freaking mind here in new york over this because first of all they don't understand 
And secondly, I just don't think they feel socially responsible for their actions. But anyway, Joe. Yeah, so we we suggested that you know we should look further into this, and that even a bandana would be better than nothing. And we had two other professionals would be like, "Oh, careful what you say." And I'm like, "Well, let's just see what happens." And uh, I think it's better to be cautious than not. And now the bandana is the way to go. Uh, we understand there's issues with those, but in general, we just want to re reiterate that Bob and I were ahead of the curve on on that. So my advice, Mayor, I was the store owner as part of this concept. My advice is to, uh, if at the minimum, focus on the things that are tangible that you and your staff can reach and and think hard about what that is. I wish somebody would do a video. You've seen the videos where people put goo on their hands and they start rummaging around the house or the kitchen. And then later they bring in a, 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 a camera that shows all these touch points. I think that's what we're needing now is to realize that there's a lot of things that we or your clients are touching. And if we focused on that as a fundamental uh, scrubbing, cleaning, good practice and personal hygiene would get us really far in this challenge that actually comes in the new um, uh, post shelter in place concept. So that, that's going to be the new reality. We'll, we'll have you all back here in a couple of weeks talking about like, what's the in-between world on what happens now when restaurants and others open and what are some advice you could give to those or people that are going to those restaurants. So, I mean, that's like back in the day, I'm dating myself now when uh, in elementary school, they have you put the red capsules in your mouth mm -hmm. and then brush your teeth and then show how ineffective your toothbrushing was. Yeah. 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 Same, same. So you, yeah, you've all experienced that. All right. So um, anyway, healthyindoors.com. You can get to all the back uh, recordings of this show, the podcasts as well, as well as all the back issues of Healthy Indoors magazine and a whole repository of ongoing information. Uh, Joe's, Joe's going to show it again. The show, uh, the Healthy Indoors show is under the uh, in the top menu under the HI show tab. But there's a new tab. He's got an old screenshot there. There's a tab right to the right of that now that says HI podcast. So if you're like more podcast oriented and you want to listen just to the audio and you can't really stand to look at our handsome faces uh, all this all that much, then by all means, uh, check, check out what we've got on Podbean. Um, so with that, I want to thank everyone here on the panel today. I think this was a great discussion. Uh, you signed up for one hour and I sucked you into an hour and 45. So uh, I appreciate you hanging in there and doing that. I think we covered a lot of great information. Uh, we'll be back next week, 1 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time for the Healthy Indoor Show. Um, until that time, I'm Bob Krell, your host. Please stay safe. Thank you.